Everyone, start your engines. Uh, you tell me that about. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us. As always, we are live on Sunday nights and we are crushing it on Twitter. I'm just, I'm so excited because. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into this show. People don't see all the behind the scenes things that go on. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's it's something I love, but it's something that's a lot of work. <laughs> and, you know, when um, I pay all the money for the show to be streamed out and all these different services and then, uh, you know, sometimes I would have it on Twitter and I would see like, you know, three views or five views. It was crazy. And now thousands of people are watching us on Twitter, uh, among other places, and we're starting to uh, really uh, pick back up again with all the downloads. And because last year I was, you know, sporadic, I wasn't doing the show every week because of my, you know, personal situation, uh, you know, the divorce and all of that, uh, which most of you know about what's going on. And I'm still struggling, you know, through all that. But I'm back now doing the show every week. And uh, loving it. And um, it's just great to see all the downloads, all the people watching online and especially over on Twitter. Okay, so a lot is going on. By the way, if you're new, my name is Jim Paris and my website is ChristianMoney.com. And uh, I went up to St. Augustine this morning. I got up there super early. Uh, I got up at like 530 this morning, uh, got dressed and everything, went over to Starbucks, got a little bit of something over there. Uh, then I drove up to St. Augustine, uh, which on Sundays is free parking. So I wanted to take advantage of that. So I got free parking, uh, on the street up there. And so, uh, got a little bit of breakfast up there and I filmed three videos in St. Augustine. So two of those are already posted on my Facebook page. And then one of those I'm going to be editing, um, later tonight, which is going to be going up, but what that video is all about, the one that I, that I'm editing, it's going to be, you know, have a lot of graphics in it and all that good stuff, which by the way, don't be mad at me. <laughs> I am starting to post a little bit on TikTok, And, um, one of the, I, I remember back when I used to do a lot of TV appearances and I don't want to mention any, you know, Christian TV shows, but I've been on, on all of them and all of all the major ones. I mean, name it, I've been on it. And I remember I would get uh, emails from people. People would tell me they were upset with me that I'd go on certain shows that maybe weren't too solid theologically. <laughs> but I always said, you know what? I've, if they let me come on there and say what I want to say, and what I want to say is solid theologically, then I'm going to take advantage of the platform. And so I have started posting a little bit on TikTok because I'm hearing so much about it and I'm talking to people, you know, that are uh, in the financial industry and they're telling me they're getting huge results from it. So, yeah, I'm doing that. But anyway, back to this video that I filmed earlier, it is about my book, which is the uh, book called Credit Scoring Secrets, How to Raise Your Credit Score 100 Points in 100 Days. So that book 
really outlines the strategy that I have uh, taught to thousands of people how to fix their credit score. And this is because I, I continue to get phone calls from people who have scores in the 500s and they want help. They want to know what they can do. And that's in particular because now that I'm working again back uh, in the mortgage industry and uh, have access to almost 200 lenders and people are getting in touch with me about home loans and refinances and all that kind of thing. Uh, so I did a video kind of boiling down the meat of that book, Credit Scoring Secrets. And that video is going to actually go into post-production uh, later tonight after the show. And then it will be posted probably first thing on Monday morning. So look for that. If you're somebody that has a credit score in the 500s or maybe even in the 400s, uh, how to boost your score 100 points in 100 days. Okay, so this is really the big story. And it's getting a lot of coverage, but probably not as nearly as much as it deserves. The United States Energy Department now says that COVID-19 was likely leaked from a lab. Well, well, well. Isn't that what we've been saying now uh, almost from the very beginning? And in fact, I got YouTube strikes for even saying that it might have come from a lab. And now my YouTube channel is gone. So who do I talk to about getting my YouTube channel back? This is the problem with these social media censors is that what they're censoring is the truth. And so now we know. And uh, this is going to create more problems for Anthony Fauci, uh, who really downplayed any chance that this could have been uh, a leak from the lab. But we're going to see what happens with all of this. Uh, this just coming out today uh, in the news uh, from the Energy Department. And, uh, you know, speaking of China, it looks like China is considering aligning themselves with Russia in the war uh, over there uh, with with Ukraine. So this is going to be interesting to see what happens, because the United States has now warned China uh, that they better not get involved. They better not be helping Russia. But at the same time, the CIA released uh, a report predicting that that's exactly what will happen. Uh, so what are we going to do? So this is really a proxy war. It, it has become a full-blown proxy war between us and Russia and now possibly China. And so what are we going to do about it? If China jumps in on the side of Russia, what are we going to do? Uh, I mean, there are so many ties to China just economically between our country and China, like where your iPhone is made and, and everything else. It You just wonder uh, how that would work just with the economics of it if we were to completely cut off from China. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting days ahead to watch what happens with all this. Uh, so this is from the Daily Caller. And I've been, I've been warning about this now for going back at least three years. And I say warning because I think this is dangerous. But the story is this, that institutional investors such as banks and real estate firms are on track to own 40% of the single family rental homes in the United States by 2030. Isn't that shocking? So we're talking about in about seven years that when you go out to rent a place to live, that 40% of the single family rentals on the market will be owned by institutions. And what I'm concerned about with that, you know, I don't know. I just like the idea 
of Americans, of, of, of individual Americans owning real estate. There's just something traditional about that. And I just have this really terrible feeling that if institutions buy up all of the homes, I don't know what that does to our neighborhoods. I don't know what that does to the fabric of our towns. If we basically turn our towns into largely institutional, uh, institutionally owned homes, it's going to be like the old, the old factory towns. And as it is, uh, people are struggling enough to be able to pay rent. And I think if these institutional big uh, buyers get involved to this extent, owning single family rentals, it's going to do nothing but drive up the prices. Uh, so that is um, in the Daily Caller today. And this has been a growing trend that Wall Street is basically seeing what's happening with real estate. They're seeing what's happening with inflation. And they're saying, let's take some money off the table with stocks and let's move over into something that really will directly benefit from inflation. And that is real estate. Real estate is uh, really the sweetheart when it comes to inflation. That's where you want to have money in times of high inflation. And it, it tells you what Wall Street is thinking. They're obviously looking at inflation down the road and, and significant inflation, like going back to the 1970s. And we're already at those levels of inflation, but it looks like that's probably going to continue. And that's uh, indicated by the number of, um, you know, uh, of institutions now getting involved with single family rentals. I, I mean, I get it with the apartment buildings, you know, even the fourplexes and the eightplexes and that kind of thing. But just the idea you drive down uh, Main Street in America and that 40% of the rental homes are going to be owned by institutions. I just don't like it. I don't see any positives from it either culturally or economically for Americans. Okay. So one of the videos I did this morning was I was standing at a gas pump, filling my car up with gas. And I was mentioning that so far in the last two years, I was just looking at the app and I have almost $400 now in free Amazon gift cards that I've gotten just by using this app on my phone when I buy gas and I can buy gas anywhere I want. I don't have to go to a special gas station. I pick my own gas station and then I check in on the app based on my location. I click on it and then it gives me cash back. And so this morning on my fill up, I got $10 cash back. And, uh, because there's like a referral program too. So if you tell your friends about this app, you'll get a little bit of money too, when they, uh, buy gas. So to make a long story short, I've gotten almost $400 in gift cards. I take my cash back in the form of an Amazon gift card, but that's not required. You can just get the money, you know, put it in your PayPal account. If you want to do that. Um, I spend a lot of money on Amazon. It's where I buy like all my, you know, toiletries and my coffee and stuff like that. So, so, you know, there's usually money, you know, every week going to Amazon. So I get these cards and use them, add them to my account. So if you want to find out about the upside app and you want to put that on your phone and start earning this cash back, like I am, let me tell you the best way to go about doing it. If you go to my blog, which is jameslparis.medium.com jameslparis.medium.com. If you go there, you'll see the top article that's pinned to the top of my blog. It tells you how to do this. And included in that article is a special bonus code. If you use that, you'll get an additional large bonus on your first fill up 
of gas. So check that out. Go to my blog, jameslparis.medium.com. Okay, I must have missed this story. But apparently in recent weeks, a man survived at sea uh, for days solely on ketchup. Wow. I like ketchup. Not sure I'd want to survive at sea on it. But now Heinz Ketchup is apparently going to buy the guy a brand new boat. How cool is that? Uh, I don't remember this story. I think it was in England uh, where this happened. And uh, this guy's going to get... Uh, going to get a, a new boat out of it. So there you go. Th that's like the perfect template for influencer. You, you see all these books now on Amazon, influencer marketing, and you, you have the, these people like the Kardashians, all these people, you know, that are quote unquote influencers and they promote certain things and get free stuff and they get paid a lot of money. Well, here's a guy uh, stranded at sea. I, I hope this is true because there's so many scams out there, right? That you could just imagine somebody faking being stranded at sea so they can get uh, some publicity and get a free boat out of it. But he had no way to know that, of course, and I'm sure it's true. Uh, but now Heinz Ketchup is going to uh, apparently buy the guy a brand new boat. I love that. All right. So Chick-fil-A, which is a super family friendly restaurant. And I had not I have not been to Chick-fil-A in I don't know. I'm going to say maybe a year only because I've been trying and I emphasize the word trying to eat better. And uh Although I love Chick-fil-A, I'm not so sure it's very healthy that, you know, these these fried chicken sandwiches and the waffle fries and all that. But it's interesting that uh, a Pennsylvania Chick-fil-A has now created a new rule because of rowdy teenagers causing chaos. And the new rule is this, that if you are 16 years of age or under, uh, if you're under if you're under the age of 16, I should say then you're not allowed to eat inside the restaurant. You can get the food and you can take it to go if you're under 16. But if you're not at least 16 years old, then you have to take it to go or you have to be there with an adult. And you know what? I have no problem with this policy. This is a private business and they apparently have had a, a huge amount of problems. They've had vandalism. They've had displays stolen. Uh, they've had, I guess, uh, you know, damage in the bathrooms. They've had other customers harassed. They've had employees harassed. They have had vulgar language, uh, arguments, loud, uh, loud discussions. They've asked people to tone things down, to stop the horseplay, the young people, and they didn't do it. And, uh, it's, it's created a lot of chaos in the restaurant. And now they're saying enough is enough. If you're not 16, you can buy the food and take it to go. Uh, otherwise you got to be in here with an adult and I don't have a problem with that. And this is one of the reasons, honestly, why I don't go to as many movies because of the problem of young people in the movies. I have no problem with young people, you know, being without adults, except for the fact that it just seems like today's younger generation, uh, is just out of control. And I, I know that I'm going to sound like an old man saying that. Uh, but when we went to movies, when we were teenagers, we wanted to see the movie. Uh, we buy our popcorn and everything and go in and quietly enjoy the movie with everybody else. We didn't want to go into a movie and create distractions and problems and have loud discussions and that sort of thing. We would never want to do that because we want to watch the movie. And uh, I used to go to a lot of movies as a teenager. I don't remember any uh, teenagers causing trouble 
back in my day uh, in a movie theater or you know you go out to a restaurant you want to go out there and have a nice meal and be with your friends and have fun of course but to go out there and start you know uh, damaging spray painting inside the bathroom uh vandalizing stealing displays it's i don't know i i just don't remember my generation doing that uh were we a little loud at times yeah but that would probably be the worst thing but these restaurants they have to create an environment for families that want to come in there and sit down and eat. And how do you do that if you've got a table of, you know, 10 or 12 rowdy teenagers that are out of control and um, are not probably given any boundaries or discipline at home? So they figure that no rules, just right. They can go out and act like that at a restaurant. And uh, kudos to uh, Pennsylvania, this Pennsylvania Chick-fil-A. Uh, so this is in the national news. And uh, I'm not sure what the corporate headquarters of Chick-fil-A uh, has to say about this, I would guess they're going to support them because um, they are very level-headed for the most part, Chick-fil-A. Uh, so I would assume that um, they're not going to have any trouble with their corporate office. All right. I am seeing more and more stories promoting the idea of a four-day work week. I really love this idea. Uh, in my own case, I work pretty much seven days. <laughs> so, But I I work, I'm I'm someone that is pretty much self-employed. I mean, what I do as a loan officer, I am technically uh, an employee, um, but I'm remote. So, and I do a lot of other things. I'm a writer as well, of course, and do this, this show and maintain my websites. But I, in other words, I can make my own schedule. So working seven days a week is not a problem because some days I could just work for maybe four hours and take the rest of the day off. So I find my times to take off to take care of myself, to exercise and have, you know, me time and all that kind of thing. Um, but this idea of the four day work week where people would work like a 10 hour day for four days and then get off three days. I like this. And I think that, um, I don't know, I, I really feel recharged after the weekend. And then on occasion, if I'm able to do like three days off in a row, it almost feels like, uh, I've been on a two week vacation. It really does recharge you, I think, to get that extra day instead of just the two days off. Uh, because I know people that do the nine to five and they they have a commute to get into work. So the truth is, by the time they do the commute and they do the eight hour shift and then they get back home, if they've got kids and all that, they're, they're barely they barely have enough time to get some dinner and then go to sleep. And then you figure on Saturday, they've got to run all their errands and do their grocery shopping and they're already exhausted from the week. So maybe they get like really one day where they can just relax. So this would be really, I think, a nice change. And um, I think this is a compromise possibly that corporate America is arriving at in response to a lot of people being upset that were remote because of COVID. Now they're being told they've got to come back into the office. So what we're seeing is, okay, you were remote, you've got to come back into the office, but maybe we're going to only make you come in to the office three or four days. And then maybe you can work a little bit from remote, you know, remote from home. So I think that's part of the adjustment um, that is going on. Okay, so let's get into some cryptocurrency here tonight. I got a sip of uh, coffee there to keep my voice going. Uh, Bitcoin is moving up again, and they're predicting it will hit uh, $30,000 here, uh, shortly, uh, right now, as I'm doing the show, uh, live, it's at 23,431. 
Uh, but they're saying within the matter of a couple of weeks, we could be back to $30,000. Uh, so what's really significant about this move with Bitcoin is that a lot of people were predicting once Bitcoin broke through 20000 and it was in the teens again, a lot of people said, that's it, it's over, it's going to end up at 10 maybe it's going to end up at 5 maybe it's going to go to 0 And so we're starting to see Bitcoin rebuilding and re, uh, you know, retracing a nice chart going up. And so uh, $30,000 and just to imagine people could have gotten in uh, for pennies in 2009, uh, $30,000 is where Bitcoin is headed, according to experts currently at 23,000. And then Ripple XRP, which of course um, I have been talking about for many years, Ripple XRP is at 38 cents. And one of the reasons I still am very optimistic about Ripple is because um, this litigation with the Securities and Exchange Commission, as time has gone on, it looks really more and more like that case is going to be settled. And the fact that Ripple is a centralized currency compared to most of the other cryptocurrencies, which are decentralized, meaning that decentralized means it's hard for the government to track who has it. It's hard for the government to to tax it and to collect tax money on it. Um, so being that um, Ripple is centralized, I think it's less of a threat uh, to the U.S. government and other governments. And so I think that the centralization, as much as many you know, very, you know, traditional cryptocurrency people hate that about Ripple, that it's centralized, that there is, you know, uh, a central uh, tracking and database of of what's going on. And so uh, it's not easy, you know, for example, if you're somebody that wants privacy or to, you know, hide money or to, you know, keep yourself, you know, a low profile financially, Ripple's not going to be a good place uh, for that because it is centralized. But because it is centralized, it is less uh, of a threat to governments that want to track us. So kind of the good and the bad there. I mean, I get it that people loved Bitcoin because even though there was, um, you know, the ledger and the blockchain and all of that, there was still uh, some degree of of difficulty for the government to track that. So people like that about Bitcoin because it was it is decentralized. Ripple is centralized. So I think Ripple at 38 cents is a bargain. Uh, if you look at a chart of Ripple for the last year, it looks like there's a really strong base at this price level. So I think Ripple is definitely something to take a look at right now. Um, I don't see much downside to Ripple at this point, which is you know always a good uh, thing when you're looking at getting into a cryptocurrency. Okay, so for those that want privacy, and I'm not advocating cheating on your taxes or any of that kind of thing. I'm just saying for those that want privacy, the one coin that everybody says you got to buy is Monero. Um, But the thing is, Monero, if you go to buy it on any of the exchanges, you're going to have to register and put up all your identification and everything. And so there will be a record of you buying it. The only way to get Monero without creating uh, footprints like that would be if you uh, were to mine Monero. And some people are are doing that, which is, you know, setting up uh, a computer um, that becomes part of the network. And then you get paid a certain amount of Monero for mining, just like with a lot of the other cryptocurrency. But Monero is considered the number one 
privacy coin. And um, there's a lot of reasons why people want financial privacy. Um, and it's not just to avoid taxes. I know there are some people that want it for that reason, but there are a lot of other reasons why people want uh, to have privacy. Uh, and um, I don't have a problem with that. You know, obviously people should pay their taxes uh, on every asset they have where there's a profit. Um, but at the same time, I do get it um, that people would like to keep some money private. Uh, that's why <laughs> Switzerland does so well with their banking system. And Monero is the coin of choice for people that want to keep money private. Okay, so I posted on Facebook this week and I got a really positive reaction to it that I'm considering starting a divorce support group on Facebook. And one of the reasons that I've been looking at doing this, so of course everybody knows that after my after being married for 35 years, my wife left our marriage about a year and a half ago. And uh, it's been a tough ride, not just emotionally, but also financially. And I'm not going to get into a lot of details here, but uh, suffice it to say, um, it's it's been a war. It's it's literally like a war that is going on. And I never could imagine that I could be in a situation like this. Uh, there's lawyers and thousands of dollars on lawyers and all this stuff is going on. And man, I'm telling you, I have learned so much. And found so many great resources online, not only for dealing with the grieving process of divorce, but also, you know, the financial side of it, you know, legal resources, all of that kind of thing. And uh, people are starting to reach out to me. You know, how do I find a divorce lawyer? How much does it cost to go through a divorce? What about mediation? Can you represent yourself? What about your finances? What about alimony and child support and all of those things? And man, it is complicated. And it's every state, the laws are different. Um, and so I posted this on Facebook and I said, what about if I just started a divorce a support group online? And I was thinking at first, well, maybe just for men, but why be just for the men? Uh, you see a lot of law firms now, like we're a woman's law firm. We're just for the women or we're a men's law firm. We're just for the men. I don't want to be on either side because you know what? Um, I think both sides need help. And, you know, as horrible as divorce is, I think the best option, if I gave any advice, would be if you've decided you're going to get a divorce and there's no turning back, sit down and figure out what is a fair split. If you need to use a mediator, go ahead and do that and pay what's appropriate to what, you know, be reasonable by spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on lawyers and all of this, it doesn't change anything in the end because in the end, I mean, it is what it is. And in most States, it's pretty straightforward what the split is going to be. Uh, and you're just so much better off making a deal, making a settlement. Uh, but people, uh, you know, when emotions are involved, I think people get unreasonable and settlements become difficult. But I posted this idea, like, let me put up, a divorce support group on Facebook. And so uh, probably 95% of the response I got was very positive. A lot of people said, Hey, that sounds great. I would love to have, you know, to be a part of that and that sort of thing. And then somebody had also posted that the Christian marriage counselor and marriage expert, Doug Weiss, uh, apparently he has just announced his divorce after being married uh, for many years. And you know, what's sad about that. And I'm sure people are going are gonna to do this to me also. Like, oh, you know, I thought Jim Paris was a good Christian guy and now he's divorced. 
I mean, what am I going to do about it? I, di I didn't choose to be divorced. So what can I do? I, I, you know, I don't want to be divorced, but it's not my choice. Uh, in this, in this situation with Doug Weiss, I don't know his situation, but the fact that he is a Christian marriage, um, guy, uh, does this like destroy this guy? I mean, because here he is, he's a Christian marriage guy and now he's going through a divorce and you know, I don't know, maybe years ago I might've said, Oh, I might've done the same thing and said, Oh, Doug Weiss, he's supposed to be a marriage expert. And now he's divorced, but I don't know. I, I don't know the story. You know, that's, that's the one thing I have learned about going through divorce is, and I'll tell you what, there are people at my church that when I walk up to say hello to them, they won't even make eye contact with me. And they've never sat down with me to ask me anything about my side of what happened with my own situation. And that is to me, that's the one biggest thing I've learned from this is don't judge people in divorce. Unless you know every single thing that has happened, do not pass judgment on someone in divorce. You just don't know. You don't know the whole situation. And uh, look, 50% uh, of Americans are going to have a divorce. 50% uh, of Christians are going to have a divorce that get married. Uh, so look, if we're going to throw all those people, uh, you know, uh, you know, in, in the garbage because they had a divorce, then that's going to be a lot of people, you know? Uh, so it, it's, it's a tough situation that people go through. And, uh, uh, part of me says, don't talk about this. Don't mention it on Facebook, but I've always shared my life with you. And this is a big part of my life right now. And it's what I'm going through. And, um, I think maybe there's a ministry opportunity there. Maybe there's, uh, maybe a bunch of people can get together in a private Facebook group and support each other and lift each other up and share resources and encourage each other. And, uh, you know, especially dealing with the grieving process that, uh, it's, it's like a death, but it's, uh, hard to explain. It's really worse than a death going through a divorce. That at least has been my experience and the experience that I've heard from many others. Okay. Paul Ryan, who I call Paul Rhino, Paul Rhino says he will skip the Republican national convention if Trump wins the primary. Oh, well, boohoo. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to miss him. Uh, Biden orders uh, Ohio door-to-door -door checks on residents more than three weeks after the toxic train derailment in East uh, Palestine, Ohio. And he was also asked this week, Biden was asked, are you going to East Palestine? And he said, well, I haven't been invited. Uh, which is ridiculous. And of course, Trump was there uh, like a week or 10 days ago. Uh, Pete Buttigieg went out there uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess made a fool of himself because he kind of he wore an outfit. He looked like Bob the Builder and and uh, was was like weeks after this happened. You know, here he is, uh, you know, secretary of transportation. And he doesn't get out there. Uh, right away, which you would think he would be on the spot the day of or the next day uh, and didn't get out there for two or three weeks. Uh, even Aaron Brockovich is out on the scene and is, um, you know, just really, really uh, uh, tearing apart the Biden administration for for the little, if anything, they've done uh, to help the people uh, there after this uh, toxic uh, train derailment. And what's interesting is we're seeing more and more uh, stories of train derailments and I've been sharing them on my Facebook. And then some people are saying, Hey, this is common trains derail all the time. 
Um, in, in a lot of cases though, um, there's not, you know, the carnage like that we have in Ohio, you have trains that, that derail and then they have machines that come out and put them back on the track and it goes forward. Um, and, and of course, you know, uh, all train derailments don't have toxic chemicals and, and that sort of thing, uh, as well. But I guess this is more common than what maybe I ever imagined that trains, uh, derail and a lot of people were speculating, I don't know, is this terrorism because we're hearing about all these trains derailing? Could this be terrorism? Because, I mean, when you think about all the thousands and thousands of miles of railroad tracks and how would you guard all that? And uh, are these, uh, you know, derailments, um, are these, uh, you know, uh, is there more of them happening? Uh, apparently, there's not more of them happening. It's just that it's getting reported more. At least that's what uh, people on my Facebook are saying. All right, that's all I've got for you this week. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, if you have a question or a topic you would like me to address, you can email me, jim at christianmoney.com. And for goodness sake, uh, follow me over there on Facebook. The Facebook page is christianmoney.com. And yes, I do have a TikTok account now, so <laughs> don't expect me to do any crazy dancing, but I did uh, put some trumpet stuff up there. So if you like uh, the trumpet and you want to hear me play the trumpet, uh, check out uh, my TikTok profile. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Thanks. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.